How about if I just start at the beginning? <laughs> you can you can be honest. Because <laughs> you know what? They have the sweat equity that went into that memory that they're making with their friends and family. And that's what's important with us, and that's what the I Am Real World's about. Well, that's a great question. You know, one of the best things about a spring food plot is you get a second chance if it fails. Chasing Giants with Don Higgins. Brought to you by buyafarm.com, your source for farm, recreational properties, rural homes, and more. By tapping into Don's years of experience, dedication, and commitment, Chasing Giants focuses on the techniques, strategies, and dedication needed to harvest one of God's most amazing creations, world-class whitetails. Now, here is Don and co-host Terry Peer. Well, hello everyone. Chasing Giants brought to you by Biofarm.com, episode 36 on November 8th. Don Higgins, how are you doing tonight, buddy? Good. How are you, Terry? Great. So what's, what's been going on? We're in the middle of probably the best three days of the year. I've actually heard you talk about November 8th before, if you had to pick one day. I think it was it's November 8th is one of those days, right? Yep, the 7th and 8th are my two favorites, which was yesterday and today. But, uh, man, uh, it was hot here. I don't know. Well, I'm guessing it's hot. How here. about those conditions that we got outside right now? It's unbelievable. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, I've hunted uh, some pretty warm Novembers, but um, I know in the 60s, I just don't recall. I mean, we, we was pushing 80 degrees today. Yep. I think it was 77 here. About the same and here. Yeah, I don't think that I ever remember in the 40-some years I've been hunting, I don't think I've ever remember pushing 80 degrees in November. I remember but, uh, I remember a couple years ago, I remember mowing my lawn the first week of December. And well, and if something doesn't change, we're going to be pretty close probably into the same because these 80-degree days, I know it's going to change soon, but... These 80-degree days, man, my grass is just hammering. I don't know how many people I saw actually mowing today. It was a bunch. You know, I actually mowed this week, and I hope it's the final time for the year, but uh, I was out in a T-shirt riding the mower. So, Well, I know I want to talk a little bit about what's what's been going on your way with hunting because you've actually had a little bit of action with some family and family friends that's been on your property, but – I can tell you that uh, we didn't see a deer tonight, if you can believe that. Jonathan and I hunted on the home farm, and um, I pulled cards, and I've looked through. um, I ran all my reports on uh, the cell cams. I don't have any daylight activity in the last three days, and we got skunked tonight. Unbelievable. It's been very slow. Now, the last two days, well, I took my niece yesterday, and uh, well, at the morning hunt, we've seen a couple little bucks uh, cruising, but uh, very little deer activity. And then yesterday evening, it was quite a bit better, but uh, there was one doe that must have been about to come in heat because she had several bucks with her, and they were running her around. But uh, we ended up, or she ended up shooting a, uh, an eight-point buck that I wanted to get off the farm. Uh, probably half hour before quitting time. And then today I, I took her boyfriend who was, you know, here visiting too with her. And, um, I mean, this morning we didn't see it. Yeah. We was in a good spot. I, I mean, a spot where typically I go in on that time of the year in a rut morning and I'm going to see anywhere from three to 10 bucks. And we did not see a single deer until eight thirty, wow. And, uh, this eight-point buck comes through, and he was another one that I wanted to get out of the herd. And so uh, Tyson shot him. So I did get uh, two coal bucks removed off the farm this weekend, but uh, the, the activity was really slow for this time of year. That's a win-win for both those guys taking taking good bucks, but then also you getting some uh, management goals uh, taken care of on the farm. Um, you know, we, we were talking a little bit before I hit record um, about what, I just, I can't figure out what I'm going to do, uh, this weekend. And, um, I, I know here in Kentucky, we have about a 20, maybe 25, 28 degree temp drop around Wednesday on the forecast. 
but and I know you've mentioned a little bit of this in your rut report, and I want you to comment a little bit about it for those people. You know, a lot of people might have vacation planned, but you know, we're going to see a temp drop. But are those mature bucks going to be on lockdown and and do you know? I'm I'm still committed to getting Jonathan a buck. That's that's my priority, whether it's here or whether it's up in Illinois. Um, opening day of rifle season here in Kentucky is Saturday. So I'm trying to figure out where my best chances are um, to get him a buck. So what what do you kind of see as we go through this cycle here uh, through this coming week? Well, I have no doubt that uh, by the time next weekend hits, that the lockdown phase is going to be in full effect. And the mature bucks are definitely going to be locked down with hot does but a lot of times you get a a hot doe and she's not just got one mature buck with her she may have five or six bucks following her around and uh, it's that period you know where the you'll see a a buck and a doe out in a wide open cornfield a mile from any woods as he's chased her away from the rest of the herd but like i said sometimes there's other bucks with them and when they're out there in the middle of nowhere and a lot of times they'll be on drainage ditches and fence rows in the middle of nowhere and things like that um they're just not where they're going to be very susceptible to hunting pressure yeah it just takes a whole lot of the even though the cool temperatures are going to have those deer on their feet a little more than what we've seen in the past week or so a lot of them are just not going to be in the typical haunts you know where where we're hunting they're going to be in, in out of the way places locked down not moving too far and it's going to be some pretty difficult uh, hunting conditions. But I think, I think people got to understand that even though this time of year, you're not saying don't hunt either, though, right? Right, right. Because the bucks are going to be on their feet, and uh, the cool temperatures are going to be favorable, so you got that positive working for you. It's just the timing. It would have been better if that cool temperature would have hit, you know, this past week. And then it would have heated up for the lockdown, and right. everybody could have went back to work for a week and, and got through everything and then started hitting it again hard towards the end of the month. Uh, you know, right now, I'm looking at that Thanksgiving week is going to be a prime week for, for the big bucks. Right. So, I mean, for the guys that are the guys that are like me that are trying to, you know, maximize the opportunities this coming week, um, you know, I don't know that hunting a scrape line is going to be your best scenario because usually, tell me if I'm wrong, but, you know, what ends up showing up at your scrape lines as we transition out of uh, peak rut and into lockdown phase is going to be your yearlings that are going around checking, you know, roaming around alone looking for something. Yeah, you're exactly right, Terry. It's going to be the younger bucks that are going to be walking by our stands. The, you know, the older bucks are, are going to be with those does and, just going to be tough to kill yeah so just uh keep plugging away um how does how does wind if 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 we're going to be hunting lockdown rut or coming out of lockdown let's 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 focus in a little bit on wind because between you and i it's hard to tell how many questions we get about wind direction uh, do you mind spending a little bit of time on that and, uh, and and how that should be played out the rest of the season here? Yeah, you know, you're right. We get a lot of questions on the wind. And uh, especially after I put out that uh, YouTube video on playing the wind, it just seemed to lead to even more questions. I mean, we I got a lot of comments on people that thought that was a great video and it helped and everything, but you know, I thought of something this week. If you ask any of our listeners to, if they could remember where they shot their top three bucks, I guarantee you everybody listening can tell us where they shot their top three bucks. Right. But if you would ask those same people, what was the wind direction with each of those bucks? I'll bet you most people don't know the wind direction where they shot their top three bucks. I can tell you. I'm sure you can. I can too. <laughs> because, of, because, because of where I was hunting was only for that wind. Yeah, exactly. You I know can't. the stand you shot him out of, and you know the wind you need to hunt that stand, so you know what the wind was. Absolutely. I can't tell you what the moon was that day. I can't tell you what the temperature was, but I can tell you which way the wind was blowing because of me being there. And, and the wind is just one of those things that I, I believe most 
deer hunters don't even pay attention to the wind, at least to the degree that they should, if they pay any attention at all. And a lot of them don't pay any attention at all. And, and that's really crazy because that is so important. I mean, that is the key to success, not only with, with mature bucks especially, but with any deer. Um, that, that wind is just critical. And, you know, you asked about the wind and how it's going to affect, you know, hunting from here on out. Well, those bucks use that wind to find those hot does. And you need to be on the downwind edge of cover wherever you're sitting because that's where the bucks are going to be. They want to be where they can smell all that. The wind to a buck is almost like x-ray vision. It allows him to see into that cover using his nose. And uh, if you think of it like x-ray vision. Yeah, that's his thermal. (laughs) Yep. So. Well, I remember remember several years ago uh, when you, I don't know if it was just to the point of us where you trusted me enough that you were basically turning me loose on some of the properties that you have access to hunt. We were driving around, you were showing me where all the stands were and everything, and, and you flat out told me, you know, there was the rules of the road, and outside of your home farm on the other properties, there's really only one rule, and that was you do not hunt that stand if it's the wrong wind, or you don't even go in if it's the wrong wind. And, uh, you know, it's when when that's more of a rule than what bucks you want shot or don't want shot – that should tell people how important that is. Well, it only takes something to stand one time with the wrong wind, and you you can run it, especially with a mature buck. Right. Uh, once he figures out where that stands at, he's going to be looking for you every time he comes through there. Right. And if he can't, if he doesn't have the wind to, you know, check that that stand, then he just won't come through. Right. So where where do we? Uh, you know, I still think that even during lockdown. You know, we we might end up getting a doe pushed. You know, she might get away, and and we might get lucky. So stay, stay the course through the lockdown. Coming out of lockdown, mm-hmm. we still got bucks that are searching. So you're talking about uh, not this coming weekend, but as we get closer to Thanksgiving, and you saying you know still pretty good. If temps are still mild, not hot like they are now, but if we're not in bitter cold you're still on the downwind side of cover until what time would you go back to food source? Until about the 1st of December. Okay. Or, or, the or, unless, month of November. or unless we get just crazy bitter cold mm-hmm. where they have to eat to stay warm. Is that a correct right. statement? Well, you know, on hunt November, on morning hunts, I'm hunting the downwind edge of the cover. Okay. Uh, on afternoon hunts, I'm doing the same thing, but I'm also, I'm getting closer to the feeding area. So, right. you know, like maybe where a bedding thicket joins or meets a food source, um, I'll be closer to that food source where in the morning I'll be closer to the bedding cover and away from that food source. I gotcha. So play that out through, uh, through the end of November and then, yep. then start transitioning more to our late season. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, I was, I was telling, texting you a little bit through the day, but, uh, we had a little incident here on the, my home farm again this week where the neighbor's cows got out and, uh, um, they about trampled out of my two acres of soybeans. They about trampled an acre of it because I double cropped that soybean field with oats and the cows really love the oats. But my soybeans have been about walked in and pushed down into the dirt. So uh, it's going to be really tough and challenging here. Um, you know, I've I've almost gone to the point where I don't even really care if I kill a buck in Kentucky this year because, you know, 2020 has really been a, an interesting year for me with the knee injury and everything else. But if 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 we can get Jonathan a buck here, then, then I'm – I feel like I've accomplished more than I deserve. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, we spent, uh, we spent probably three and a half hours chasing cows today and getting them back up and putting in the other landowner, the neighbor landowners. He was still a no show. He didn't even show up to help get his cattle in, 
but I had to make the decision to either leave them back there and have them do even more damage or, or try to get them out. So, um, well, I'll give you a little bit of advice. In my opinion, beef tastes better than venison anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we, it's funny you say that because we, we are actually exploring what the law says, you know, um, as it, as it's, uh, in the state of Kentucky, as it's, uh, as it's written about, uh, you know, uh, animals doing damage to property. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's a little bit different when it's agriculture involved. You know, if you're, if your neighbor's dog comes onto your property and you feel a threat or he's damaging your property, you have a right, a legal right to shoot that dog. Um, farm animals, we got to be a little bit more careful of. I'm trying to get an official ruling <laughs> of what well. can happen, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's neglect to be honest with you. And I know he doesn't listen to the podcast, so I really don't care, but, um, uh, it's, it's just really, really frustrating. I know, uh, our friends, Dave and JP had a bad incident, uh, with pro talk outdoors this year where, um, uh, somebody went in and mowed all their bedding cover. You know, the farmer mowed, mowed it on accident. Um, and I forget, somebody told, oh, uh, Joe Bosing down in uh, southern Indiana, they planted three acres of real-world beans, and the combine went in and picked them all. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not the only one dealing with struggles this year. Um, it's just I'm I'm going to do everything possible to get Jonathan a buck this year. So I've only I've only actually been hunting one time without him here in Kentucky, um, you know, I did come up to Illinois, uh, last weekend, but, uh, uh, I've only, I've only been hunting once without him since, uh, second weekend of October. So that's, that's my main focus here. So what, what, mm-hmm. what about your other target bucks? I know after the story of Mel, I, I know a lot of people, uh, downloaded episode 36 to hear that story. I know there was a spike in team radicals, YouTube channel for them going back and seeing him as a yearling. Um, you know, um, what, what's next for you outside of, uh, letting some people kill some call bucks off the home farm? Well, that's a good question, Terry. I went and checked, uh, trail cameras this past week on just about, uh, just about every trail camera I got out. And, uh, there was a couple of bucks on public land that, that I knew of from last year that survived. At least they survived long enough to shed their antlers last spring. Um, one of those bucks that I'd had on camera several times last fall, he was not on that camera whatsoever. So I don't know what happened to that deer. Um, there's another one that I had, had found and, uh, seen the shed antlers from him this spring. And I have found him, um, but boy, I just like to let him go one more year, even though he's on public land and he's a dandy, but I think he really needs one more year. I think he's a four and a half year old this year. Um, just a really special buck. And if he can make it one more year, I, I feel good about my, my chances of killing him. The other thing is I don't think I'm going to have a buck on my home farm to shoot next year you know, after shooting Mel this year. And, uh, there's another good buck that, uh, me and my neighbors are after that that's probably going to get shot this year. Um, so uh, there's a good chance next year I'm going to be looking for bucks to shoot. And this public land buck would be a dandy for that. Um, yeah. He's probably pushing 170 right now, but he's got enough extra things going on on his rack that, boy, I'd sure like to give him another year to, he to could, see how it, He could be really funky next year then if he's only a four-year-old this year. You're right. And uh, so I think I'm going to lay off of that buck. Um, the, the other public buck, like I said, he hasn't showed up, so I'm not sure what happened to him. Um, I do have another buck on private land, but I do not have permission where he spends most of his fall and winter. Now, um, you know, we've talked about the homecoming bucks, um, video and magazine article that I wrote where these big bucks have a tendency to, to return to their summer range really early in the rut and really late in the rut. And this buck does that. Uh, I've got pictures of him previous years doing exactly that. He has not returned yet, but I'm thinking in the morning I'm going to go into uh, his summer range and uh, and hunt just to take a chance and, you know, see if he might come back tomorrow. But 
Uh, other than that, I mean, there, there's still a chance I could kill another nice buck, but right now I'm more focused on the management of my farm than anything. I've, I've literally got about six or eight bucks left that I want to call out of here. Right. Well, before know, season's over. Well, it might, it might be a good plug for you to talk a little bit about the latest YouTube video that you put out, um, for, uh, discussing when you're, when your buck that you targeted or found earlier in the year disappears. But I will tell you that the biggest deer that I got on camera this year, which I'm guessing ah, 165 to 170 here in Kentucky, which that's a whopper for around here. Mm -hmm. um, I have not gotten a picture from him since the last week of August. Um, when I pulled the cards today, I was sitting here going through uh, pictures this evening, and he was he was it was in it was at night, but um, I saw him um, uh, coming in with his nose out and, and lips curled uh, on November sixth. I have not gotten a picture of him since the last week of August. So, there you go. So that's uh, that's proof in the pudding there. Now, I, I can't say that I have evidence of him doing that years previous um, because, you know, I wasn't running the number of trail cameras that I am now on, on this particular piece of property. But, uh, mm -hmm. but, yeah, I mean, he was the biggest deer I've gotten on camera all year in Kentucky and just shows back up all of a sudden and don't have another picture of him any since. So, um, you know, obviously he came back to check for something, right? All right. So talk a little bit well, about this latest video that you put out, what people can learn from it. Well, we basically just detail that the whole Homecoming Bucks magazine article, um, you know, where those bucks come back and early and late in the rut to uh, they'll come back to the where they summered at. Uh, there's a lot of bucks here in the Midwest farm country anyway that they'll have a they'll summer a totally separate place than where they spend the fall and winter. Uh, so they move to that fall range, and if they can't find a hot doe, you know, they just get more fired up as each, with each passing day and as the rut approaches. And things build to a fever pitch, you know, around between the 5th and, say, the 8th, 9th of November. And if they can't find a hot doe on, in their fall range, a lot of times those bucks will run back to where they summered which is exactly what the buck you're talking about did. Yeah. And it gives you an opportunity um, for those bucks that have disappeared. Uh, they'll do it again at the very tail end of the rut, you know, around Thanksgiving time. And uh, I showed an example or two on that video of bucks that did exactly that. Um, and some of those trail camera photos were back as far as, I think, 2011 when I started noticing this trend. And uh, so if, if you know, any of our listeners had a buck they was watching last summer that disappeared. Uh, you better get on it pretty quick because uh, the time is just about past for early in the rut. But uh, that Thanksgiving period, you know, Thanksgiving weekend be a good time to spend some time in a tree hoping to catch that buck coming back. Well, I've always said that that's probably one of the biggest advantages of living in Kentucky is that our bow season opens up the first Saturday of September because it gives you a chance to go after some of these targets before that shift comes in, right? You know, the, yep. the people people loved the idea of coming to Kentucky to try to kill a velvet buck. Um, but that's, that's why so many of my mature bucks that I've killed here, I've been able to kill them in September. You know, they're still mm -hmm. in those bachelor groups on feeding patterns, but... <laughs> I'm curious of our listeners, you know, our, I, I, I look at the download map on our analytics page and we got, we got listeners from up in New York, out in Western ag, you know, Western Kansas, Montana, Iowa, and then all the way down in the Southeast. Send us a message. I'm really curious if what Don and I see with these deer shifting to go out of their bachelor groups is what everybody sees you know, down in the southeast or in Texas, everywhere is that is that a regional thing because of the row crops that that we hunt around that we have these pockets of bachelor groups, or or do you see that? I, I'm I'm really curious um, to get some feedback from our listeners and what they see. But they, it, it's funny. You watch social media. You talk to all your hunting buddies. Everybody's got a giant almost every year that a really good buck that they're targeting, right? <laughs> and then very few of them close the deal on it. 
So that either tells me that that buck shifts early or that lack of discipline early, you know, push that deer <laughs> to where he's not killable. So right. one of the two. So I'm really curious to listen to or hear from our listeners on that. Mm-hmm. So, well, rut report has started up. Uh, I know you're getting a lot of interaction and, uh, and comments and likes on that. Um, where can people that, is that, on, is that only on your Facebook page? You're not doing that on Instagram, are you? No, I just, uh, been doing the rut report on my Higgins outdoors, Facebook page. And it just, uh, I don't know. It's easier for me to type yep. Instagram. You know, you have to put it, use your phone and yep. it's, uh, it's just a lot easier for me to do it on the computer, so I just kept it to little, Facebook only. A little bit tougher way. I know Sid, Sydney's and uh, Tyson's buck, you posted a picture of those the last two days. But, yep. um, you know, uh, you're going to be still hunting every day because I think you're feeling a little bit better now. I know a lot of people have texted me asking how you're feeling. I guess we need to – we should have probably started with that. That's a big deal. Are you Are you feeling better now? I am. I'm not 100% by any means, but uh, each day is a little bit better. It's just, uh, oh, I'm tired and feel wore out all the time. It's it's not that I'm sick. It's just uh, my lungs as much as anything. You know, walking into a stand or something like that might take me a little longer. But uh, I'm getting there. I'm better than I was a week ago. Seems like each day is a little bit better than the one before. So your plan still to hunt every day and then post that rut report? uh every evening right yep all right for so, sure so make sure we're checking that out and then let's let's plug and talk a little bit about the giveaway that we got coming up because i think this is a big deal because there's a lot of people out there that keep saying how they want to come to the master class but they just they can't justify it this might be a way for them to uh have access to come to one of them this year so why don't you talk a little bit about that yeah, it's kind of a way uh, to show the appreciation for everybody that supported this uh, podcast as well as the YouTube channel and, and everything that we do. Um, we're going to give away a free attendance at each of the three Whitetail Master Courses, which will be held next March. Uh, I just posted the dates on my website. If anybody's interested, just go to HigginsOutdoors.com and uh, you can learn more about the Master Course. But uh, we're going to give away a free attendance uh, at each one of those three classes. I'm going to start about Thanksgiving, and then each podcast, uh, you know, pick another person for three, and uh, you know, hopefully somebody will appreciate it when they come, and they're going to get to tour my farm and another farm that's a few miles away that I hunt and have hunted for a long time. So, uh, going to go right to the stand sites where booners were shot. Um, even a couple of 200 inches were shot from some of these trees, but you're going to get to see, uh, you know, we talked about the wind earlier and all the questions we get about the wind, but it's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to stand right there at that tree and listen to me show you why I hunt, why I hung my stand in that tree, how I hunt it based on the wind and what the bucks are doing based on the wind. And once you see it in person a dozen times, cause we're going to look at a dozen tree stands dozen different stand sites once you see all these different situations it should be easy for you to go back to your property or any property you hunt even if you hunt public land and take some of those lessons with you and apply them to every stand you hunt for the rest of your life that's probably the biggest feedback that i hear from your master class is that you can you can see a aerial map but it's not just um understanding the wind and where to park and how to walk in it's when you get to this inside corner or just inside the woods or a tree line and you talk about the wind as it relates to this specific tree versus a tree four to six yards away and why this tree is good, this tree is bad. I think, um, you know, the, the people that I've been to every one of your master classes and helped with them when, you know, people are kind of, before everybody leaves, you know, we, we commit to stay and talking with people as long as they want to stay. That's the one thing that all of them say they never got a true appreciation for until they were there mm-hmm. is actually seeing it in person. So, and then our, uh, our friend from out in Kansas who also had a really bad week this week came up with the idea that I needed to smoke some pork at the next one. So I don't know. We got to talk about that. That might be a pain. You know what? That is a great idea. 
he didn't share that idea with me, but uh, uh, he tagged you in a in a comment that he made yesterday. Since it was, uh, yeah, I said I didn't hunt yesterday because it was an east wind, and I can't hunt my farm with an east wind. So we had a barbecue with the neighbors, and um, um, and I, I smoked some pork and posted a picture of it. And Josh Pretzer, our buddy from Mountain Kansas, said uh, menu for uh, 2021 master class. So. We might have to think That's a about good that. idea. We might have to think about that a little bit. So Yeah. Well, you know, the evening before we always have the uh the pizza and social hour and yep. and uh, record a Chasing Giants podcast. So uh I think a pork smoked pork barbecue or whatever the next day would be just fantastic. Yeah, we're up half the night anyway talking, so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't be too bad, so well, all right, we're 30 minutes in. Uh, can we jump over to the buyfarm.com segment? Yeah, we probably should. Buyafarm.com is your source for farm, recreational properties, rural homes, and more. Now, here is Don Higgins with this week's featured property. All right, this week's featured property is in Jefferson County, Illinois. It's actually an online option. And there's eight different tracts of land being auctioned, and these tracts range from 20 acres all the way up to 120 acres. Um, there's just a little bit of everything. There's CRP, there's tillable land. There's no buildings on any of these, so, uh, you know, kind of the, the sky's the limit. You can do whatever you want with them. Um, I'm going to go over these tracts real quick. Um, the first one is 40 acres. Uh, about 27 acres is cropland. and and uh, most of that's enrolled in CRP, and then there's about 13 or so acres in timber. Uh, track two is another 40-acre piece with uh, 23 acres in cropland, and it looks like all that's enrolled in CRP and about 16 acres of timber. Uh, track three is 20 acres. Um, it looks like uh, about three acres in CRP cropland, another 17 is in timber. Track four, 56 acres about 50 acres in cropland, 20 of that in CRP. Uh, track five is 20 acres. Six and a half of that is cropland, in, which is enrolled in CRP. The other 13 and a half is timber. Track six is 40 acres, um, about 23 in cropland. Five of that's in CRP, uh, a little over 16 in timber. Track seven, 55 acres. Uh, looks like 35 in cropland, about 10 of that's in CRP about 20 acres of timber uh, and track eight's 120 acres. Uh, looks like 102 of that's tillable. Um, 13 of that's in CRP and 17 in um, timber. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, my guess is that the, the taxes on this is very cheap. I'm going to guess the selling price on these is going to be very, very reasonable. So, uh, if you've got any interest, the, the information is on the buyafarm.com website. Look for the online option in Jefferson County, Illinois. Uh, you can also call Agent Don Bailey. Don's phone number is 618-919-1031. And he would be glad to answer any questions. And uh, like I said, go to the website. You'll see photos and aerial photos as well as photos uh of these properties and ought to be something for everybody. Um, help me out with Jefferson County. Um, it's not ringing a bell and I've heard it before. I just can't place it. Where's that at? Well, it's in Southern Illinois. I, let's see. Where would that be? I think it might be around Marion, Illinois. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering, uh, general vicinity. So make sure you go out and look at buyfarm.com's website or social media. Again, this is eight different tracks that's going to go for auction. So you know how that goes. That could go really, really cheap. Um, you know, if the farmers are there with the, looking for the big row crop uh, um, tracks, uh, you might be able to get one of these tracks that would hunt really well. But I uh, need to go to buyfarm.com and look at the aerials and, and see which one fits the style of property that you're looking for, right? Yeah, and uh, I forgot to throw out there, the auction ends November 20th, so you don't have too much time, about another 10 days or so, but uh, opportunity to get some property at a very reasonable price. Yeah. 
Okay, good deal. Check out biofarm.com. We appreciate their support of the podcast, and uh, please make sure you go follow their social media. Yep. All right, time for some questions. Let's hear what people got to say today. Submitted questions. Our first one comes from Zach Hartnagel from Edwardsville, Illinois. Zach says, to branch off of the recent topic of new bucks showing up on camera during the rut, why is it that you see more target bucks on camera during daylight in the days after Halloween, but it seems like the nighttime photos of those bucks slow down? With deer being nocturnal, you would think the amount of nighttime photos would increase just as much as daylight. Maybe it's just something I've seen in my farm and is not consistent throughout other people's properties. <coughs> well... Zach, I think it's, uh, you know, the reason you're not seeing as many nighttime pictures is those bucks are, are branching out a little bit more at night. Now, that doesn't mean that they're leaving their home range, but they're covering a lot of territory <coughs> within their home range and uh, probably are just not in front of your camera or even close to your camera as much as uh, they had been previously. Um, as far as seeing more daylight uh, photos, I mean, that, that's just a, you know, typical of the rut. As the the rut heats up, those bucks do move more in daylight, and uh, obviously you're going to get more daylight pictures. But I think that the nighttime phenomenon you're you're asking about here is essentially those bucks are just uh, expanding their range, and they're not where you've got your cameras as much as they had been previously. Yeah, it's, anything uh, to add there, Terry? Well, I mean, it's just it's. Uh so many different variables i don't know that we can really answer it but i i haven't seen any anomalies where um nighttime pictures of bucks have slowed down i mean with the weather been like this all of my pictures are almost at nighttime right now you know i wake mm-hmm. i wake up in the morning and there's all kinds of activity at night but i'm not getting many at all with it being 70 80 degrees so i just think there's a lot of factors in it uh, i don't I don't know that there's a correlation between the day after Thanksgiving through the rut that they don't move at night and move at day. I don't think that's the right. case. I think they're moving the entire time. So, yep, camera location is probably as big a factor as anything. Yep. So, but appreciate the question, Zach. Good observation on your property. I think you need to keep looking at that and and learn i mean there if that's if that's truly the case on your property and and you can put some uh if that holds water for you you might be able to use that to target a buck next year no doubt about it for sure good question all right we'll move on to the next question which comes from casey virgin from holman wisconsin casey says Don and Terry, I have really enjoyed your podcast they are fantastic to listen to on the drive to my hunting land Don, your new video shorts on specific topics have been great as well. Not sure what. Video short, short videos. That's what he's saying. Your okay. Short videos. Keep them coming. My father and I have come to realize through cementum annuli testing of deer's teeth is that we are getting far more bucks to four, five, and six years old than we ever thought possible. This realization has produced an unexpected problem. Majority of those bucks have lousy antlers. Most won't make Pope and Young. It feels like a first world problem to, to complain about killing four plus year old deer every year, but we want big antlers too. I personally don't think there's anything wrong with that either. Our working theory is that our neighbors are simply killing the bucks with the best genetics well before they hit maturity leaving us to perform mop-up duty. Just recently, we have begun half-heartedly using our rifle tags to cull some of these smaller antlered mature deer. Otherwise, we don't rifle hunt. How aggressively would you enlist a cull program? If you could, would you kill every four-plus-year-old that you don't believe will ever become a buck you would want? Or are there other more effective strategies? For context, we, my father and I, hunt a 200-acre property in northwest Wisconsin, a 160 that my father lives on and a 40 directly across the road. The property is primarily timber with about 10 acres of food plot that we plant into soybeans with some brassicas as well. It is part of a much larger piece of timber with plenty of ag fields around. 
We are highly successful at killing the bucks we are after each year, assuming someone else doesn't kill them first. This year we had four mature bucks that you would call regulars, ranging from 110 to 130 inches, a pretty typical year for us. Well, the, the timing of this question is pretty pretty good, considering the fact that we were just talking about the cold bucks uh, that uh, my niece Sydney and her boyfriend Tyson shot in the last two days on my farm. And I call hard. And for those of you who listened to the podcast back when we had Bronson Strickland on, uh, we really talked about this in depth. Um, and, and he even has written a book on this topic. Essentially what happens most of the time in a wild herd is, is the best genetic bucks get shot in, in each age class first. So in other words, let's say there's a hunter in his stand and out in front of him are two bucks and they're both three and a half years old. And one of those bucks is a eight pointer that scores 110 inches. And the other buck is a 10 pointer that scores 140 inches. Well, guess what? That 10 pointer is getting shot almost every single time. And what I've done on my property is just the opposite. I've tried to really hammer those bucks that do not have as much genetic potential as far as antler growth and leave the best bucks in each age class to reach maturity, you know, four, five, six years old. And uh, it's made a tremendous difference here. Um, I've said before, you know, when I started, you know, working on my farm, Every year, the biggest buck would be around 150 inches. And then about every three to four years, I'd get one that would push 170 or so. Well, today, I've got the 170 every year. And about every three to four years, I'll get a giant. And an example of that is in 2017, I shot Smokey on my farm, who scored 206. And this year, I shot Mel, who scored 220. Um which was four years later. And, and that's kind of the cycle I've been on. So I've added about 20 inches or so to the, the size of the, the biggest buck on my farm year after year. Um, but I do it by, by providing the best nutrition that I possibly can with very diverse food sources and such. And then I also call hard and I mean hard, um, I probably, on my 120-acre farm, I want to kill about 10 bucks this year. Now, that includes uh, Mel, the buck I just shot. And there's another uh, pretty nice uh, seven-year-old buck that'll score in the 170s. But I want to call out about eight bucks this year. And next year, it'll be the same way. And and most of them are just bucks that are eight-pointers that are probably never going to have more than eight points. I want to leave those bucks that have 10 points or more bucks that have extras you know stickers and um flyer points and things like that but you really want to call hard you want to add to that terry um first of all casey i think that you're doing a fantastic thing with having um your age test done on your deer because um i think that's going to teach you more about your herd than being unless you have Every year, trail camera pictures of the same deer. Um, you know, we've talked about it on this podcast. It's it's really hard to tell the difference between a four year old and a six year old or seven year old. So I think I think understanding your deer herd and how things are on your farm. Um, I have every single buck that I shoot, no matter where it's at, aged. Um, if nothing, it's not to brag on social media. It's to educate myself on what the deer are on that property. Um, so companies like DeerAge.com that we talked about, I'm assuming that's who you use it because I don't know anybody else that does it. But um, Heather, a very nice lady that owns that company, um, you know, uh, we actually have some things in the works with her uh, with Real World. But um, I think you're doing a fantastic job learning as much as you can about the age structure on your farm. Um, the other thing I can tell you, you know, when Don talks about taking these bucks, you know, to off of his property – that's all in a strategic plan that, you know, I've, I've talked to him many times about it because, you know, my son Jonathan might end up coming up and, and trying to hunt for one of those. Um, or if I don't have a target buck that ends up showing up that I really want to shoot on, on my place, if I'm going to end up shooting a 
call Buck, I would rather do it at Don's place to help out his management than, than the properties that I have to hunt. So the thing that he does on this, though, is he puts that into a master plan of who are the target bucks, meaning like Mel this year, that I want to go for. And then it's who can I bring along for the ride that makes a difference in somebody else's life or their hunting career, but also helps his management. I mean, uh, his niece and her boyfriend Tyson got to shoot great bucks on his property. Uh, the last two days, and they're they're tickled pink with with the bucks that they were able to come here and get, and then it also helps Don with his management. So here's an opportunity for uh, you to when you say you guys do the I forget what the word he says mop up the dirty work or something like that. I would look at that as a positive. Find find a veteran hunter, find a kid. Um, use those as ways that they can come in. I don't know how many bucks you're allowed to shoot in Wisconsin, but I think you could probably make a difference in somebody's hunting career or life with the assets that you have available and still reaping the benefits of your management plan. So I would encourage you to look into that. Great points. Fantastic. So. So Casey and Zach uh, will be sending you a Chasing Giants t-shirt. Just encourage anybody else that's got questions to submit them. Go to ChasingGiants.com. And if we use your question on the air um, or on an episode, uh, we'll send you a t-shirt. Now, Terry, I purposely, a lot of times we'll answer three submitted questions. Today I only did two for a reason. And I was, I got a message from one of our listeners this week. And they got a real, little bit late, actually. Um, I got it on Monday, the day before Election Day. And he says that with our uh, platform, he wishes that we would encourage people, use our platform to encourage people to vote. Because, you know, 50% of hunters don't vote. Uh, and I'm not sure if that's accurate, but that's what he said in his message. And uh, now I purposely left this for the end of this episode, too. So if somebody don't want to hear about politics, you can just turn it off because we're, we're kind of about done with uh, deer hunting for this episode, but we're going to get into politics. And Terry, what is, I'm just going to turn it over to you. What do you think of the election? Oh, boy. Um, I'm disappointed. Um, I'm not – I don't know what to believe. I think there's so much garbage in the media, and honestly, I think there's garbage from both sides. I, I, I don't think that uh, – the, the Trump supporters on the right are wearing the white wedding dress, if you know what I mean. Um, but I think that there's definitely probably some shady stuff going on. It, it's disappointing that um, uh, it's disappointing that our country, who is founded on the beliefs of God and democracy, to give everyone a voice and everyone a assurance that their opinion matters and who our leaders are is now being questioned um and um you know i'll spend this a little bit further away from politics and more about religion when you first asked me to do this podcast one of the first questions i asked you i don't know if you remember this or not is were we going to talk about religion and you fired back immediately and said well we're sure not gonna stray away from it and um I, I guess I've gotten, if I got one, I got 150 comments. I don't know if you have two about how open we are with our faith. Yep. But I guess, I guess I look at this as a platform where he wants us to talk about our voting. Yes, I think you should vote, but I'm going to use this platform a little bit differently and, and, and talk about something to do with our faith a little bit more than I am politics. Um, you know, this morning uh, in Sunday school and church, uh, one of my very good friends named Scott Simpson was leading the class, the adult class, in, uh, in um, starting the book of Colossians. And he started talking about how Paul was writing these, these letters to the churches back then, you know, Timothy, and, um, and he was actually in prison. So people who don't understand the Bible, you know, uh, they arrested people for basically being religious. There was a true separation of church and state back then, and they they arrested him, and he would write these letters. So I, I, I'm sitting here thinking, 
about Paul is sitting in prison compared to how we are right now with this election up in the air. And I have friends that are very dear to me, and I look through social media, and it is consuming how much effort people are putting into what stories are real, what stories... If we would put half of that effort into sharing the gospel from and this is this is this is more of a challenge to the believers out there not not the people that are on the fence about whether they you know have a personal relationship with Jesus or not for all of you all who claim to be Christians i beg you put half as much effort into making a difference in somebody's life and talking to somebody about Jesus then you are worried about this election and I'm not saying don't fight. I'm not saying don't speak your peace. Don't, don't, um, don't go after, um, you know, justice and, and holding accountable our officials uh, to make sure that this election was counted properly. But um, I, I beg you to, um, for instance, uh, Scotty was talking in, in, in talking about the, the, the book of Colossians. And he referenced the movie Saving Private Ryan, which when he first said this, I thought, man, this is a weird analogy. But for the people that, that watched that movie, there was this uh, Private Ryan had four brothers that were killed in World War II on the European front. And the storyline was they sent a team of guys to go find the fifth brother. So they, they made sure that he got back home safe to his mom because she'd already lost four of their brothers. And at the end of this movie, Tom, the character that was playing Tom Hanks was like the, the sergeant or whatever that was going in to find the Matt Damon character. And he got shot, and right at the, close to the end of the movie, Tom Hanks reaches up and grabs Matt Damon, and he, he, he says, earn it. Meaning, all of those people died and sacrificed their life to go find this kid to get him home back to his mother. And I sit here and think about all these Christians that are sitting there, and all of their time, effort, and energy on social media is consumed with bashing another party when they haven't earned the sacrifice that Jesus made for their life. And I'm just challenging you believers that are out there Fight for what you believe in. I'm not telling you to cut down on it, but I'm also telling you to earn the sacrifice and salvation that Jesus gave you. And, you know, if if this podcast, you could have found anybody else in the world to host this podcast with you. You could have found some other marketing guy that probably would do a whole lot better job in helping you run real world. But if God put me in this situation to talk about deer hunters to deer hunters and encourage them to step up and put a little bit more effort into making a difference in somebody else's life by taking a young kid hunting, by helping a widow, or just making a difference somewhere else and showing the love of Christ some other way in your life, as much as you're concerned about making all these posts on social media about this election, then I think God put me here to do that. So I guess I guess I'll get off my rant, but make it worth it. Earn it. If if you're a Christian and you're a believer, earn it. Use whatever platform, whatever outlet, whatever connections, whatever social networks that you have to earn what Jesus did for you. That's my take on the election. <laughs> well, that's a little bit different than mine, but, uh, you know, I think that we were brought together for a reason. I think that, uh, on this podcast, we complement each other in a lot of different ways. I mean, there's a lot of differences in you and I, Terry, everything from age, you know, I'm a good little bit older than you, um, geographic location, you know, you're from Kentucky, I'm from Illinois, which aren't too far apart, but I mean, we're still a few hours apart. Um, preference and equipment, um, life experiences. Um, I, I think we're, we're different in a lot of ways, but, it, but they, our differences complement each other. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to compliment what you just said. And I agree with everything you just said, but I'm going to take it a little bit different direction. 
um, in, in regards to this election, I, I think it's been pretty obvious that since President Trump was elected in 2016, the Democrats have done everything they could to, to get rid of him. Uh, I believe this election is corrupt. Um, and, and I don't for a minute disagree with you that there's plenty of corruption on the Republican side, too. But in regards to this election, I think it's pretty clear which side uh, was willing to do anything, including cheat to win. Um, but to, to turn it into a take it in, in a different direction a little bit, you know, if if justice is not served here at this election, this country's done. Um, the Democrats have already said that they will stack the Supreme Court with four new justices, which will all be liberal. Um, changing the number from nine to 13. Um, they promised all kinds of other things, you know, uh, to come after our guns, this and that. We, we all know Joe Biden is not going to make it four years in office. <coughs> Kamala Harris will, will take over, and she was the most radical of anyone who was running on the, the Democrat side. <coughs> I just don't see a bright future for this country, but to continue to spin it a little bit, you know, in the in the Bible, the United States is not there at the end. <coughs> so I, I mean, I don't know what's what's taking place. God does, but uh, we need to hold on for the ride. Taking a timeout for COVID cough here. Yeah, COVID. <laughs> COVID attack. There you go. You might have to cut that some of that out, but but uh, it is what it is. Okay, I think I'm back. But but I said my piece, so I have no doubt that there was corruption in this thing. It just two plus two does not equal four. Um, and and by no means was me spinning this to the way I did, saying that people shouldn't challenge their officials to be honest and and hold it. I think it's very sad that it's come to this. But um, you know, as as the believers that are out there, um. The hope is in Christ. We we might be watching the demise of this country and and some really bad things to come, um, but at the same time, um, those of you who proclaim and believe that you have a personal relationship with Jesus, I, I think it's time that that our society step up and earn it a little bit. I really do. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really disappointed that my daughter, who is uh, a sophomore in college, uh, was able to vote for the first time this year, and this is how it goes down. Um, yeah, it's not how it's supposed to be. So hopefully, hopefully justice will prevail. Um, I hope that um, we continue to fight, and but at the same time, I think there should be a, you know, Paul sitting in jail against a corrupt government that wants to silence him, right? So so we compare the Bible and, and Paul's teaching to him sitting in prison, being wrongfully uh, charged and imprisoned for sharing the gospel and, and, and believing what he believes. And his entire focus is helping that church get started. And making a difference to guys like Timothy and different churches that are trying to get started and get on their feet. Not one time in the Bible, when Paul was in prison, did he bash that government that had him imprisoned. I'm not saying he didn't probably feel like that or he didn't maybe talk to the guy in the cell next to him about it. Not saying that. But the focus of his writings was to proclaim and promote Christianity. And that puts into perspective a little bit that we still have to do our due diligence in protecting our homes, our families, our freedoms. You know, I'm, I'm the guy that has, you know, don't tread on me flags. So I'm not saying don't do this, okay? I'm just saying I think we have a whole lot more opportunities 
out there that if we were as bold with our religion as what we are with our beliefs of government, we could really make a difference in people's lives. Yeah, and you know, the Bible's pretty clear. Our, this earth is not our home. I mean, this is temporary. Um, we, we got a, a much bigger picture than what we're focused on, you know, here with this election. Um, it, it's just, it's hard for me personally to, to let it go. I mean, I, I want to see justice in everything. Yep. And when I see an injustice, it just infuriates me and I want to see it righted somehow. Um, I, I'm not very good at leaving it in God's hands and letting him take care of it. Although I will say that there's been situations in my life where, and you know, one of them very well, Terry, where I've just had to throw my hands up and Every time I did that, it came out to my benefit. Um, it's very hard to do to just, uh, you know, do the right thing. Don't enact your own revenge. Um, just leave it in God's hands. But when we do, I can tell you 100% of the time in my life when I've done that, um, it's worked out. Well, I think we have an obligation as Americans, as um, as um, head of our houses to, uh, stand up for justice, to stand up for, uh, what this country was founded on and our freedoms. Um, but I, I do believe that, um, that we have an obligation for those of us who are Christians to, uh, probably put a little bit more effort and be as bold, um, as what we are sometimes right now with politics in this time. So maybe, maybe do a little bit more of both. So, uh, before we hang up here for the end of the podcast, though, I wanted to, to, um, I I haven't asked him if he, it's okay, but he posted it on social media. Uh, for those of you, um, we, we have a a good friend and supporter of the podcast, Mark Abbott, who's got some, uh, heart concerns going on that I think he's going to end up having to have a procedure. Um, so, uh, I'd like to ask everybody to, to pray for Mark and his family as he's going, um, I actually do have a former softball player uh, that graduated last year that's going through chemo right now. She's 19, found out she had cancer this summer. And then my grandfather, Ansel Peer, um, I talked about him uh, every once in a while. He was the one that was uh, in town the uh, the time that I killed that buck in the junkyard. We were going looking for parts for his dump truck. Um, but uh, he had um, colon cancer and uh is getting ready to start chemo after his procedure so those are some people pretty close to me that uh, i appreciate prayers for if you guys don't matter i hope mark's okay with me mentioning it um, on the podcast but since he put it on social media i I guess it's okay so uh, please uh please uh keep those guys in your prayers yeah and you know uh, it was a couple episodes back terry where we basically announced that anyone that had prayer requests could reach out to us and we did get a couple. There was a young man, uh, I think he was in Wisconsin, either Wisconsin or Michigan, that uh, going through a uh, custody battle for his his kids, and uh, he asked for prayer. He hadn't seen his kids in over in about a month, I think it was, and uh, had lost all interest in hunting until he seen his kids. Nothing else in his life mattered, and uh, he asked for prayer. There was also a uh, young man, I believe it was from Iowa, that uh, him and his wife had, uh, uh, they were foster parents and had a couple of foster kids, which they ended up adopting. And now those two, that, and they had two of their own as well. And uh, the two that they adopted now has a younger sibling that's been taken from the mother and put into their care. And um, they feel the, the pressure to adopt this third child who's a sibling of the other two they adopted. Um, but they're being stressed, you know, financially and, and everything. So they ask for prayer as well. So there's a lot of people struggling with different things. So, uh, you know, Terry and I are, are more than glad to, to, uh, take prayer requests and, and add you to our prayer list. All right. We got off on a couple weird tangents there outside of deer hunting, <laughs> but that's, that's all right. Um, 
So uh, if people don't like it, they can only listen to the deer hunting part. But we hope mm-hmm. that uh, you appreciate the transparency that we have uh, with all the listeners. So uh, outside of rut report, what do you got coming up this week? Do you got a video coming out this week? Well, the next video is going to be the hunt for Mel. And uh, I, I don't know that it's ready yet. Uh, there, Steve had some other projects that we had him working on that I felt needed to be done. The uh, new land management guide needs to be uh, to the printer here in the next week or so. And uh, it's going to be bigger and better than ever. So Steve's putting the final touches to that. And then uh, when he gets done with that, it will be the uh, the Mel video, which you won't want to miss. Um, got life history of this buck from the time he was a year and a half old, including not just uh, trail camera photos, but also video footage of him uh, each year from a yearling on to uh, this year when I shot him. Got great footage of the shot and the recovery, so you won't want to miss that. But uh, basically, I'm just going to keep plugging away and uh, hunting every day, Terry. Yep, that's all we can do. So um, we'll... uh let you know where we end up here with this temp drop whether i stay in kentucky or we head up um we head up to illinois so um but outside of that uh follow don on chasing giants with higgins outdoors on youtube and then his social media higgins outdoors you can find it on instagram and facebook so we appreciate everybody's support um and uh keep plugging away there's still been a bunch of big bucks killed so it's not worth, you got to be up in the tree to kill them. So I want to wish everybody best of luck as we finish up through the uh, peak rut here. Uh, go ahead and take us out with our sponsors then, buddy. All right. We want to thank our sponsors, buyafarm.com, 360 Hunting Blind, Quiet Cat, Real World Wildlife Products, Vortex Optics, Lone Wolf Tree Stands, and Matthews Archery. Everybody be safe out there. See you next time.